everything you see as you turn your head around it's in is in the right place with the right dimensions so everything looks real all of a sudden your brain gets tricked into it and you start like you said you you start to want to touch things you're listening to the rotary wing show a show for helicopter aircrew by helicopter aircrew each episode we travel the world to hear from the people that fly and support helicopters to learn a little bit more about their stories and pick up some tips along the way if you want to catch up on past shows or see photos from the interviews head over to rotarywingshow.com you can also subscribe on itunes just search for rotary wing show and get future episodes direct to your phone i'm your host mick cullen good evening and welcome to episode 61 of the rotary wing show Something a bit different in today's episode, we're going to be diving into the world of virtual reality headsets, especially how they relate to home helicopter flight sims and training opportunities. For many in the helicopter industry, I think this might be the first time you've come across this technology, especially in its current state that you can go and buy off the shelf here in late 2017 and set up in your your home living room or a classroom at a, a flight school. What I'm hoping is that we can get you up to speed, encourage you to check out uh, somewhere nearby that you can go and experience this, and to get the conversation happening around how to get the, the best out of virtual reality headsets for flight sims and helicopter training. I think it's going to be you know huge, especially for helicopter training and currency and recency requirements. You know, not only for pilots, which is the, the focus of this episode, but also in maintenance training and virtual reality or VR headsets have already been used to train Army aircrew uh, for a number of years in Australia and the UK that I know of. This is like, it's one of the, the most amazing things I've used in a, a long time. To help me out and explain the experience of VR and the technology, especially from the flight sim side of things, I'm very thankful to Sergio Costa from Portugal for making his time available. And Sergio is the founder and editor of helisimmer.com which is a dedicated site covering everything to do with helicopter flight sims as it relates to PC gaming. And Sergio has 25 years of experience you know, using Microsoft Flight Sim in the early days, right through to X-Plane and every other sort of mainstream flight sim in between. This is going to be one of those topics that generates a lot of questions, so listen out at the, at the end of the show for the best way to get those answered. And there'll be a bunch of example videos I've collected to demo what the, the VR looks like for, for helicopter flying. I'm really excited about this tech and what it can do. So let's cut across to Sergio Costa and find out a bit more. And I was thinking about before how I was going to try and introduce this. And this could be the most expensive podcast episode that uh, listeners listen to after we go through all the things we're going to talk about uh, today and, <laughs> and virtual reality. So uh, let's, for people who don't know you, Sergio, uh, you obviously the main editor and the founder of helisimmer.com, uh, which is a website which covers a whole heap of uh, flight sim stuff but dedicated to helicopters. And, and, I mean, in terms of particular niches, like it's a pretty small and narrow community, I'm guessing, the, the helicopter simulator community. Yeah, it is. It is, Mick. It's very small. Flight simulation generally, it's not that small, although it's a, it's a market niche for, you know, um, people usually hate when we, we we mention simulators as games, but okay, we're talking about game simulations. And flight simulation is a niche, and helicopter flight simulation is a niche inside the niche. It's pretty much the same as 
probably um, you know real aviation and real uh, flying. You can find uh, dozens of uh, you know fixed wing helicopters um, around the world, and uh, only a small percentage of uh, helicopter helicopter pilots. So it's basically the same. Yeah, and I think that's because of the controls and things like that we'll talk about in flight models as we go through on this interview. So, do you, you're not actually a pilot yourself. Do you want to talk about how you got into flight sims, and on, especially on the helicopter side of things? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm not a real helicopter pilot. I'm not a pilot. Um, I've never flown an aircraft in my life. But, uh, since I was very little, uh, since I was, I don't know, maybe two or three years old, um, I started getting interested in aviation, uh, mostly because I had a brother on the Portuguese Air Force. Um, and, you know, he started showing me aircraft and uh, he built some aircraft models and whatnot. And from then on, I started to like helicopters and getting this um, this passion about um, aircraft in general. Um, I said helicopters, but not really helicopters, aircraft in general, mostly fighters, you know. Uh, kids love fighters and fast aircraft and uh, stuff that goes and uh, do crazy maneuvers. And, you know, later, later um, in my life, when um, I started having contact with computers, with the first computers, with the first PCs, um, something that really got my attention were flight simulators. And back then, the first flight simulator that I tried was actually Flight Simulator 4, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was FS4 by Microsoft. From then on, I just, you know, continued using flight simulators from uh, FS4, FS5, uh, Flight Simulator 95, 98, and so on. And about 10 years ago, I, you know, I, I was flying all kinds of different aircraft, fixed-wing aircraft. Um, in a flight simulation. And one of the versions of uh, Microsoft Flight Simulation, I think it was Microsoft Flight Simulation 2002, uh, came with the first helicopters, which was the Bell 206. And it was the first time that a flight had an helicopter for you to use and for you to fly around. And after some time of flying uh, Cessnas and, uh, you know, the big airliners and whatnot, um, I started looking at, I started to look at helicopters at that Bell 206, and I, I got curious. And I started looking on the internet about more to get more information about how to fly helicopters because you know for someone that has no idea on how a helicopter works and you are very much used to fly Cessnas and fly all the other fixed wing aircraft, uh, you probably know this. Okay, you you, you see it in the in the virtual cockpit. You crank up the throttle all the way to 100% and you just fly. And I found out the hard way that it wasn't so. In, in helicopters. So I started looking for information about how to fly them. And from then on, I practically only fly helicopters. So I've been flying helicopters virtually for around 10 years now. I guess I'll, I'll share a bit of my flight sim background as well because I think I'll be probably more similar to, to most of the listeners here uh, in terms of you know how I've come into flight sims. So same thing, look, you know, I had Commodore 64 growing up. I remember I think it was a, a Comanche helicopter game. It was like one of the very first uh, Vauxhall games. Uh, and you used to fly down these valleys and, you know, you'd have all your missiles and blow up tanks and things like that. And then, again, I think Microsoft Flight Sim, you know, very early on in the 90s, um, I sort of played it on the way through, uh, so, you know, school and uni and things like that. But pretty much once I hit helicopters, I never really went back to the Flight Sim because, as you said, that, that first time the – Microsoft Flight Sim came out with a helicopter. Like, it was terrible to fly. Like, you know, again, at this stage, I didn't really know much about helicopters, but, the, you know, I'd be lucky if I could keep the thing flying for 10 seconds and just crash, and it was just, it wasn't fun, you know, you try and do that on a joystick type thing. So 
basically, I never really bothered with that through uh, initial flight training uh, with military. We do fixed wing training, and there's a big IF uh, component there. So that's when I basically cracked uh, that up again. So that was back in 2000, uh, and was using it, you know, uh, in a, a Cessna uh, cockpit on the flight sim, and went and bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pedals and a joystick and uh, one of those joysticks with a combination, you know, throttle uh, joystick in it and the flight pedals. And, mm-hmm. yeah, used it as an IF trainer. And the same thing, once I actually started helicopter training, again, when we got to the IF stage, I was flying, again, didn't really worry about helicopter models, went back and, and flew the Cessna again and just concentrate on the IF flying in it. And that really helped uh, through uh, not only fixed-wing training but through the helicopter training. And again, even into the Black Hawk when we were doing ILSs, uh, using you know just a, a Cessna in a, in a flight sim to actually practice flying the ILS for the, the IF training. But really, anything to do with helicopter flying or VFR was just I didn't even bother with it. And uh, in about two thousand nine, you know, I've been on Macintosh, uh, Apple uh, Mac laptops ever since then, and haven't even looked at it until about uh, two or probably three months ago now. And that's where we get into the virtual reality stuff we'll talk about today. We actually had someone come out and demo a sim at the flight school with like three uh, computer screens, and they left it there for a week or two. But and they actually then that was the first time I actually used helicopter controls, which were then actually hooked up to the to the computer, and it just yeah it wasn't so flash. <laughs> like it, it just wasn't enough, you know, for us to to spend any more time or effort investigating that side of things. And then we're back there looking at it again now, and I guess I should throw in the only other flight simulator experience I've had is the actual Blackhawk simulator itself, which is a full motion sim, full, you know, realistic, obviously real cockpit, fully modelled, which sat inside a dome projection uh, with the actual graphics on the outside of the cockpit. So you'd look through the window and, and see the, the white screen with the projected uh, graphics on the outside. And, and again, it was barely passable for VFR flight. We did a couple of sort of mission training things with it. But again, we normally used it for uh, for night uh, circuits uh, because that's where the, the graphics were kind of at. And for IF training, obviously, you just basically turn off the, the visuals completely and you'd use it for the uh, for the instrument training in that regard. <laughs> and, and that that would have been multi million dollar, uh, you know, back in two thousand and five, two thousand six. I hate to think how much that whole system cost. It was on you know hydraulic rams, and the whole thing would move. And yeah. There's a control station behind it, and you know, you'd wear your all your gear, you'd wear your your second mile vest and the helmet, and it was as realistic as you could get. Uh, but again, the visuals were probably where the VR stuff we're going to talk about now is uh, down the track, and that was multi-million dollars, and we're going to talk about something that's, you know, sorry, probably several thousand dollars by the time I set up. So, yeah, that was my experience. So, really, it wasn't even on my radar at all until three months ago when I came across some YouTube videos, and this is the stuff we'll talk about today. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I totally discounted flight sims and helicopters completely just because it my experience with it was really really poor it just didn't compare with the uh with the real thing so i guess now we can talk about where things are uh, up to now in in late uh, 2017 oh, yeah. and i guess what we talk about will really date quickly i guess the, the big concepts will will still be valid but when we start get talking numbers and details and types of equipment that's going to probably move pretty quick in the next 6 to 12 months so as people are listening back on this Mm-hmm. Just keep in mind that uh, yeah, this is recording this at the end of uh, 2017. Uh, people are listening later on, but yeah, let's let's get into the basic uh, tech. We're going to talk virtual reality and and where it's up to. Yeah, and um, 
right now, like I said, we, we, everything is just in the beginning, and uh, things will uh, will evolve pretty quickly um, down the road. So um, right now, everything we have, it's um, it's pretty much. I wouldn't say it's experimental, but everything we have right now is subject to change. Uh, you know, without any any further notice. So. Um, any experience that you or me or any other any any other people out there, your listeners or my readers and whatnot, any experience that we might have right now will probably change, like you said, in six or twelve months. Things are going to move. I, I, I don't know if they are going to move um, very fast. You know, like in uh, in the. I, I won't say that in six months we are going to double resolution and frames per second and whatnot. But things are going to move um, very fast. And players in the market, such as Oculus and, um, and HTC, are pushing, and Microsoft as well, are pushing the market uh, forward. And are starting to a place to put um, products on the market that are much more affordable and have higher resolution and better performance than the ones that we use right now. So yeah, everything is subject to change very fast. Now, can, so can you talk about what the actual headsets look like? And I've obviously got a HTC Vive, and I can talk through that uh, shortly. Uh, but you can talk about the components that actually make up a virtual reality system and your first experiences. So where did you first try it out, and what was the you know what was uh, the thing that made you, made you, you purchase it? Yeah. Okay. Let me let me start by saying that I'm a skeptic guy. Okay, I'm really, I'm really a skeptic guy when it comes to technology, and um, probably because um, I'm actually a technology guy myself. I'm a developer, I'm a programmer, so I'm, I kind of look at things. I, I kind of try to look at things from a, with a lower, a lower um, expectation because I'm being working in technology. Sometimes I, I know that sometimes things don't go uh, the way that we are expecting it to be. Not only that. But I also have a problem in which when I, whenever I go watch uh, 3D movies, I don't see the 3D at all. Okay, so I, I'm sitting there with my family. They are, they, are what, they are seeing things coming out of the screen, and I'm just sitting there seeing a 2D movie with a fuzzy image. So um, virtual reality for me was something that I was not very keen on trying or experimenting with for some time. Everybody said it was awesome, it was great. But I, I had my doubts, and uh, one day um, I went to this um, this uh, science exhibition with my family, and there was a there was a young girl there uh, with a um, a kit, a, a developer kit, a developer kit for the Oculus Rift, and my daughter wanted wanted to try it, so I went there with her, and she tried it, and she was really amazed at it, and um, of course I then tried it myself, and I can tell you that it was the most ugly low poly world i've seen in ages it was really bad it was a really bad representation of the world but i was in that world the thing is i was totally immersed in a world that i knew it was fake it was not real um clearly it would you know it didn't have it didn't even have uh, photorealistic textures it was really basic it was one of the first developer kits that Oculus has had produced, but I was inside. You know, I was inside that world. I was seeing things in 3D. I could look around, and the head movement was pretty much flawless. And I, I, I was just, I was just stunned. I was astonished by you know by by the, the the technology that I was trying at that time. I I could I, I my my brain immediately started wondering 
what would it how would it look inside of flight simulator of yeah. course you know i've been simming for over 25 years and this this is pretty much all i do on my computer besides programming and and taking care of Ellie simmer so i immediately started thinking oh my god f flight simulators are going to change so drastically over the next few years and then you know htc5 released the released the Vive, HTC released the Vive, Oculus released other versions, some other plays into the market, such as Microsoft, like I said before. And one of the one of my friends, two actually two of the guys that were with me at Ali Simmer, uh, Joe and um, and Drew, they they bought the Oculus and they told me, Sergi, you really you really need to try this on the sim. Uh, this is this is this is a really amazing. This is a game changer. Those are the, were the words that they used. This is a really game changer for flight simulation, and you know, um, uh, I knew it was because I have tried it before you know, on an, on something that was not a flight simulator and on something that had pretty awful graphics, and I felt that you know that would be the future of flight simulation. And then a friend, another friend of mine, got the HTC Vive, and I started wondering which of the of the two systems um, were better for not only flight simulation but you know, for VR in general. And I decided to go with the Vive, even though the Vive costs twice as much as the Oculus Rift right now. I think there there are there are good reasons for the price difference, and uh, those differences have to do with um, you know with with all the components like you like you, you mentioned before, like with all the components that make make part of the of this of this system. In a, for those that don't know these systems, these kits, we're not just talking about the headset. It's not just something that you put on your head. The HTC Vive comes with other components that help you both track the headset and the controllers because we're talking about two controllers. And you know the accuracy at which those the, the, these these components are tracked, both the both the headgear and uh, I don't know if you had the same feeling when you started setting up. You have the Vive too, right? You told me that you had the Vive as well. Yeah, exactly. So the the light boxes. So I, I guess in terms of yeah. like hardware, let's break it down simple, and I'll cover bits and pieces yeah. of what I've got, and then you can jump in of it because I think there's two parts here. Is one trying to give people an idea of what the yeah virtual reality is, and I'll I'll share my first use of it as well, and then we'll get mm -hmm. to the point where uh, they can have their pens and paper out and, and take down all your notes on the on the flight sim side. So absolutely. So the kit here, I'm basically got next to the computer at the moment. It's a headset, so it looks like a a black box that you put over your eyes, and when you look inside of that, you see uh, two clear uh, lenses. So it's obviously what you look through on each eyes, and they focus. Uh, you know, if I understand the screens inside the box, about two meters in front of you. So, in terms of eyesight wise, uh, all the stuff I've found and people I've tried with it with glasses, if your vision is pretty good at about a two meter mark, then you don't really need glasses to, to use these. Uh, and you then obviously have a, a cable running back to a, a computer. And I've got two light boxes. So, I've got one set up on a shelf in front and behind me. And the headset looks at those light boxes. Uh, which are basically a little black box uh, with LED lights on it, and it can tell in 3D space where it is and where it's pointing with reference to those light boxes. And then you have two hand controllers, like wands with uh, buttons on it, and again, the headset and the light, the light boxes can track those in 3D space. So when you have the headset on <clears throat> and you hold your hands up in front of you, you can see those controllers move around, and we'll get into the different type of games and applications other than flight sims. Uh, so that all basically runs back to a, a fairly high-powered gaming PC, and that mm -hmm. is pretty much then the the hardware components that I've got here for the for the uh, HTC Vive. 
And the Oculus Rift is a pretty similar setup, but normally they have the um, the desk stand uh, IR sensors in front for the for the tracking. So that's the kind of two big PC uh, platforms. And I guess when we get down towards the end of this, we'll talk about mixed reality and Microsoft. But yeah, in terms of you know <laughs> bare basic bones hardware components, that's the the breakout yeah. that I've got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much the same as me since we have the same kids. Yeah, um, yeah, and and the thing that I, I was I was uh, immediately taken for was in the, when what did you notice when you were setting up um, all the all the system and you know getting um, getting uh, the configuration for the room where you are and whatnot the amount of precision that the system has in knowing exactly where the controls and the headset is and where is where where they are facing to and the, the movement it's absolutely it's absolutely amazing I, w- I was amazed at how how at how how you know all small the, the, the gestures and the movements that you can do your hands are they, they are all tracked in milli- with millimeter precision yeah like I, and I, can't I, w- really, I can't really imagine it getting much better than it is now so I can I can sit here and look at one wall sort of you know 90 degrees to my left and I can turn my yeah. head as fast as I can to the right and yeah. it, it tracks like there's no there's no lag or delay the visuals track as fast as I can move my head uh, with yeah. the controls um, we'll talk about it there's all these, and again we're, we're going to dedicate this to, to flight sims but <laughs> the amount of our software out there so you know last night I was on the International Space Station crawling around the outside of the International Space Station there's table tennis games where you're playing table tennis and you're hitting a, a table tennis ball backwards and forwards and and you know, again, you can put top spin on the ball. The the controls are tracked so accurately that yeah, it'll yeah. Uh, you can actually yeah, you put spin on the on the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and that's all because, like HCC says, because lasers. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. They actually, use lasers. The light, yeah, the light boxes use lasers to track all all everything uh, in this in the three D space. And you know the amount of control that you have it's 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 awesome it, it's really it's really great when you translate this into the to the you know to your head movement inside the flight simulator um it all changes it all changes it's it, it's completely it's completely it's a whole new world it's like uh, you know Joe and drew said it's a it's a game changer it's really a game changer well I'll share the first time I put it on and then we'll jump through because our outline of what we're going to cover because okay. yeah, I want people to sort of it's two, I guess there's two goals for this. One is to give people an idea of what the whole virtual reality thing is like just so they can go out and start tracking it down because it was totally off my radar three months ago. I didn't even know this thing was as good as it is. And the hardware we're talking about is pretty much, it's almost 18 months old. So I can't believe there's people doing what I'm doing today like 12 months ago and I've missed out on 12 months of this. Yeah, I went into a hardware sort of department store uh, here in Brisbane, and they had one set up. And I, I can't. Mm-hmm. We were going in for something else, and they had this area set up with the uh, the yellow and black uh, sort of caution tape in this area. And of course, it drags your eye and thinking, okay, what's this? And they had the the blue, which is a an underwater simulation where you're standing on a shipwreck with uh, manta rays and fish going past and, and things like that, and you're looking up at the the water and the sunlight on the on the top of the ocean above you. And this massive whale swims out of the, you know, the, the dark blue. Yeah. And basically hovers next to you for a bit, and then and then flicks its tail and, and goes away. And you know, I thought that was absolutely crazy. But I actually went home, and that night I dreamed of being on the ship next to the whale. Like it, it was that. <laughs> it, it, it was it, it was that sort of, um, you know, the sensation. Like it just felt so real 
that. Yeah. And so once I had that and, and that sort of feeling, you know, then I started jumping on YouTube and started watching the YouTube videos for the uh, for the flight sims. And so, yeah, yeah it was about a two-month process because we'll go through the cost and that. It's, you know, it's not cheap. And I guess it's, it's stupidly inexpensive when you look at it with larger, you know, flight sims. Uh, for, for, what you, for what you get. You know, when you're in that helicopter cockpit, you move your head sideways and the the gauges are 3D. So the knobs on the gauges, as you're moving your head sideways, you're actually seeing the side of the knobs or you can look behind the controls and as you look over, especially in the, in the Huey sim, the DCS Huey, you look over your shoulder and you see the cockpit uh, behind you and you can stick your head out the window. Like it, it is incredibly realistic. It's It's just incredible. Yeah, you know, just, just sitting there on the cockpit and not doing anything but besides just watching, you know, looking at, at the, the different panels and different switches and the, even, you know, the shadow that is being cast by the switches on the panel. It's it's such an amazing... I, I was I was very impressed the first time I tried um, entering the DCS UE and I just sit there for, I don't know, maybe two or three, three minutes just looking at the panels, you know, just looking at everything going and all of a sudden my wife was with me in the living room and all of a sudden she saw me try to reach a panel in my hand yeah, <laughs> yeah you want to reach out and start touching things <laughs> yeah that, that, that's right <laughs> because it's it's so it, it just feels natural you know one of the things you know i i, I was um I was watching a video by laminar research laminar is, is the, the company that makes explain one of the flight simulators well my main flight simulator and one of the flight simulators that better um, gives you the physics for, for for helicopters. And they, right then, I just realized that you know when you are in uh, in the VR world, you you have the notion you have you are actually standing inside the world where the dimensions of everything around you are the real dimensions, which is something that you know a two D monitor, a regular monitor can 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 give you. You cannot stay next to. Um, you cannot be standing next to a seven four seven, for example, and look up at the seven four seven and you know see the massive aircraft that is uh, that is in front of you. And in VR, that happens because everything in the world you you have the, the perspective of everything being three D for real, just like in real life. Everything is right side, so you are sitting on the cockpit, and everything you see as you turn your head around. It's in is in the right place with the right dimensions, so everything looks real. All of a sudden, your brain gets tricked into it, and you start, like you said, you you start to want to touch things. And that's that's both an amazing and a stupid sensation to, for <laughs> for someone to have at the same time. Um, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, quickly, I was just going to talk about uh, Google Cardboard, uh, Daydream, and then the PlayStation VR. Because I guess what we're talking about today is the the top end of consumer VR, that virtual reality that you can get on yeah. your on your PC. So if you've ever bought, mm-hmm. you know, if you've ever bought one of those cardboard uh, fold up things that you put your your phone in, uh, and I think there's a Daydream one, and I haven't used the PlayStation uh, headset. It's supposed to be, you know, less less uh, resolution and doesn't have as much tracking. But this is, is completely different. So if, you, if you've ever used one of those uh, 3D apps on your phone where you hold up to your face in a cardboard sort of container and look around, the stuff we're talking about today is, you know, <laughs> if, that's like, if that's like a, a one, the stuff we're talking about today is like a, an eight or a nine. Uh, so it's very, <laughs> you know, it's very, very different. Uh, so if you've tried something else you thought was VR before and sort of uh, 
you know, paid it off as, as not being good. Uh, this stuff, you know, where, where it is now is it's good to go. So <laughs> we'll get into, uh, yeah, so let's get into it. So for, I guess why consider it for flight sims? From my point of view, just chipping in there is it's perfect for flight sims because it's just so expensive in real life for aviation, especially for, for helicopter training, that if you can get a percentage of that experience at home, you know, whenever you want to do it after work, uh, with one of these setups, it's you know the, the cost or the the business case for it is straight away there. I can share one story of someone who's used it and then gone flying for the first time, and then Sergio, you might have a few of those because you've got a, a big sort of community there. But there's a mm-hmm. yeah a gentleman in um, New Zealand. Uh, he set up a a shipping container with uh, two of these full setups with uh, basically I think the roll fighter jet chairs and then built the controls around it. And mm-hmm. he, he's done 100 hours. Uh, he was saying on Facebook in the the Huey model, one of the software programs we're going to talk about. And he's never flown a helicopter before, but he did that because he actually runs that as a you know business. He charges out as a sort of entertainment and arcade for people to come use it. He then jumped in a, a BO 105 uh, with obviously another pilot. And his very first helicopter flight, he could pick it up, hover fly a circuit, come back to a stop and land. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's, again, pretty compelling case and I'm not sure if there's any other ones that you could know of that you can share in terms of people, you know, using this and then jumping in the aircraft for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, the, and the thing is, you know, VR helps a lot, but uh, most of the stories that I know of don't, don't even involve VR. There are a lot of stories of people that, did, did just what what you said, you know, did, did just jump into a helicopter for the first time with an instructor pilot, and after a few minutes they were hovering and they were doing some maneuvers. Um, they were landing, mostly because you know all all that muscle memory uh, that they have built for during the, the the course of the time that they were using helicopters on the flight simulator. After a while, it just kicks in. It's just like transitioning for. It's not the same thing. Okay, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that flight simulation is the same as a, as a flying the real thing. It's not. I have. I have that that, that notion. I know perfectly that it's not. But a lot of the muscle memory and a lot of the things that you learn in flight simulation can translate to the real world. All of a sudden, all that stuff that you learned at your in your in your, in your apartment at your, at your at your computer uh, translates to something to something real. After a while of uh, you know, take, getting used to the controls and getting used to the helicopter. Uh, I, I've known quite a few stories of people that just started hovering, started doing some you know basic maneuvers uh, very easily. I believe that with VR, that that um, you know that knowledge and that uh, perception and uh, everything that helps you um, getting uh, a head start in helicopters will actually improve because um, and I, I, I've had this experience myself. I started to hover much better and I started to do maneuvers much better after I got used to VR because suddenly I started to have the notion of uh, not only the depth, you know, which is something that we don't have on 2D monitors, obviously, but also because, you know, I started to be able to, uh, to get a sense of the very tiny uh, movements that the helicopter would, would be doing or would do and I would be correcting them earlier. One of the things that flight, flight simulators uh, have or that flight simulators don't have when compared to the real world is the fact that you don't have any physical sensation. So you don't feel the forces. Like, for example, for those that, for, 
know, for the listeners and for those that don't fly, if you if you are driving your car and you stop and for some reason you start to you know this happens sometimes you start to um, to decrease the pressure on your brake and the car starts moving sometimes you sense the car moving before you actually have the notion have the visual notion that the car is moving and you hit the brake again to stop the car and uh, in her- this happens a lot in aircraft as well you sense a lot of what the aircraft is doing often more than you actually see things um, happening. We don't have these on, sim- on flight simulators. We lose, all, we lose all this physical sensation. We don't feel the forces. So we don't actually feel the helicopters doing micro-movements when uh, it's moving you know, to the left or to the right or whatnot. Someone like uh, who are a real pilot, you tend to automatically, your brain tends to automatically correct that and you probably don't even know, you don't even have the conscience um, that you are doing that. And using VR, I obviously don't have the physical sensation, but I started to notice those micro-movements much better, which is actually making me a better virtual pilot. Would that help me more in the real world? I think so, yeah. I think it will help me more in the real world. And I think that uh, if I could... I'm not saying that I could, but if I could be able to do all those things that, you know, other people like, you know, and the the other guys that I have talked to were able to, I think that with VR, I would probably be slightly better. Yeah. And I think the big thing is too, is just a scan. Because again, when you're using flight simulator on a monitor, and I know there's track IR and things like that, you kind of really have that sort of fixed view at the front. And the fact you can be sitting there in the hover and just glance out to the right-hand side of the window and then look back at the front. And as your head, you know, it follows your head tracking, you know, perfectly um, and everything's where you expect to see it. So if anyone's flown MVG, uh, you know, night vision goggles or anything like that, you're used to sort of moving mm-hmm. your head around. And it's probably, a, a, you know, it's a, a bigger field of view than you would have uh, with night vision goggles. Anyone going from night vision goggles to this, it's, you know, it, it's it's even easier. In, in terms of... Yeah, but there's little realism things. You're right, you don't have, and we'll talk about motion sickness for this because you don't have that sort of you know, physical presence of the pressure on the seat and things like that as, as you're moving. So it can induce a bit of motion sickness. But there's little things in the simulator that you know, I didn't really appreciate. But if you're rolling or something like that, the, sun, the sunshine actually moves across the cockpit. As you look down mm-hmm. at, say, the, you know, the radio console, the, the sun will actually move across inside the cockpit. And so just tiny little things like that. You know, little realism details. Again, it's after a minute or two, you just it does feel so realistic to the point where you, you know, I've demoed people when they've they've crashed. Uh, one lady actually threw herself back off the back of the chair. We had to catch the chair <laughs> because you know, she would have rolled back and hit her head on the, on the floor. But the motion sickness thing is a, a big one, and you know, I'm getting better at it, and I think that's pretty natural. It's just as you're exposed to it, probably hovering a helicopter. You know, with the visuals and then sitting still in a, in a room in a chair, that's probably one of the most challenging situations in terms of your brain really fights to, you know, yeah. and, and there definitely is a chance initially when you start trying, you do it in small bits because you can actually get that motion sickness. There's such a, a big difference between what your brain's taking through your eyes because it feels like it's completely real versus what you, you're feeling through oh. your body. Yeah, you don't want to be. You don't want to do a one or two hour session the first time you try VR in a flight simulator. That's for sure. You don't want to do any hard maneuvers as well. And I can tell you that I've learned that myself the hard way. <laughs> yeah, you want to fly quite smooth. If you're trying to do aerobatics, it's uh, it, it really gets. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. You, you really, if you wanted to start yeah, using VR for flight simulators, just start slowly doing you know, 10 to 15 uh, minute sessions. But um, even those sessions, you, you need to be careful and you need to be, to do things very slowly. Uh, you know, just take off, hover, do a circuit or two, uh, land, stop for a bit, uh, take your, you know, your headset uh, off and uh, look around because you need, a, you need to, to, you need to start training your brain for, you know, this weird whole new sensation of uh, seeing things that, you know, are so realistic, but your body has no physical sensation of what's happening. So your inner ear is going berserk, your brain is going berserk. And your stomach is getting, you know, ready to pack and leave. <laughs> you leave your body um, because it's very disconcerting, and I, I felt that. And one of the things that people need to also pay attention is that frame rate has a lot to do with motion sickness as well. Okay, so if you, if any of, uh, if you, any of you guys out there are, you know, thinking about getting a VR a VR kit for flight simulation. Or even race simulation, but flight simulation, you know, you have another another axis in which you move. Um, do realize that you will need a powerful machine, a powerful computer, for you to be able to um, have a good a good amount of frames per second, which in turn will help you not getting sick. And you will need at least on your on our headset, you need at least 90 uh, frames per second. Okay, anything less than that, and you will start getting sick even if you are moving slowly, um, because the, your brain is going to start to process images in a non-fluid way, and that will get you sick. Well, the good thing about the sickness is it, it definitely does get better because uh, there's a couple of first-person shooters out there where you're essentially standing you know, still in the middle of the room and you've got your hands up as if you're holding a rifle and you're looking around corners, and mm -hmm. to move, you're actually using your, your thumb on a on a trackpad essentially to, to move your character through uh, the, the map. And, and again, that sensation of having everything move past you as you're standing still, that does get easier and easier. So the motion sickness for the flight sims, you know, as long as you've got your computer set up, as you said, you get high frame rates. It, you know, if you, if you did give this a shot and you were feeling sick initially, uh, it does get better. But yeah, yeah. sidetracking there. <laughs> but yeah, lean around corners, uh, yeah, shoot people in, in these uh, shooting games and then, you know, take cover, kneel down and, and things like that is just, uh, again, <laughs> it's a, a reason to get this stuff all, all on its own. It is. It is. With with the actual flight model, so talking, I guess, about the, the simulator and, and the software itself and simulating a helicopter, uh, I haven't had enough time flying it around, but I know you've had submissions through uh, your website from, from people who are actual pilots and, and essentially you know, acting as like a test pilot and testing the models out. What feedback have you had in terms of, you know, how realistically can these uh, flight sims model how an actual helicopter flies? Uh, well, surprisingly realistic. Um, one thing is for sure, you're not, you're never going to beat the real thing. And uh, that's for sure, okay? But, um, you know, there are a couple of flight simulators that are pretty much top-notch. And um, they are very realistic in terms of physics and dynamics. And DCS being one of them, I'd say that, you know, DCS is the top the top uh, flight simulator for helicopters with the UE and the Gazelle and the MI-8. I love the UE. The UE is absolutely amazing. The flight dynamics are, are very good. And um, the, the team that's developing it, are are improving the helicopter and there's a new version coming out that even you know improves realism and then you have X-Plane 
There are a few helicopters in X-Plane uh, which are very, very good and very well modeled. And the physics are very nice. Uh, there's one by a company called Dreamfoil Creations, uh, which is the Bell 407. And I've had um, an OH-58 pilot, uh, which you probably know, it's the it's a, kind of the military version of the Bell 407. And the guy said that, you know, from his experience as an, H, an OH-58 pilot, the, um, the X-Plane version that is out there, and you can buy it right now, it's about 98% correct in terms of flight dynamics so that's uh, that's how good you know, flight simulation for helicopters is right now it has nothing to do with the good old bell 206 that we have we've learned to know and hate <laughs> a few years From ago in flight flight sims, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it has nothing to do actually flight simulator was never a good a good a sim for helicopters it has it always has its issues and um, the flight dynamics were always terrible and even the the, the professional version uh, which is called prepared or p3d um, I don't know if you know this but that there were two versions of the flight simulator uh, by Microsoft back then one was a consumer product flight simulator FSX for example which is the last one that was uh, released uh, actually, Flight was the last one, but the FSX is one that is most used right now. And then there was another one called ES, e, e, ESP, and ESP was bought by Lockheed Martin. And Lockheed Martin now sells it as a, um, a flight simulator for the professional market called Prepared. But not even Prepared is good enough for helicopters. So if you are uh, interested in helicopters, if you are really interested in you know, getting the most out of helicopters and getting the most out of realistic helicopters, you actually have only have these two choices, which are, you know, DCS uh, with a limited set of helicopters and explain. Yeah, with well, limited amount of experience I've got in, in DCS, uh, you know, I quite happily, you know, if you're a, a day one person learning to fly a helicopter, I can quite recommend mm-hmm. going out and, and buying this VR kit and, and DCS Huey because, uh, you know, from the little bit of flying I've done in it, it feels you know, a- absolutely transferable to, to real life flying. And if you can fly a circuit in that, uh, you, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it's real enough for, for flight training that uh, you'll get a heap of benefit from it. My only concerns with flight training, again, if you were starting from scratch and doing this is just, you know, I, I would have a couple of flights with an instructor just so you don't get too many bad habits sitting there trying to oh. fly yourself because I think, like, it is it is so real and your muscle memory that you're picking up. But, you know, as, as a flight instructor, I, I just have a, a, you know, a caution about <laughs> learning to fly <clears throat> yourself completely yeah. and, and picking up too many bad habits that you would transfer across to, to the real thing. No, yeah, yeah. You're completely right. And, you know, uh, flight simulators, home flight simulators can only take you so far. They are great, you know, to get you um, uh, accustomed to how helicopters work, you know, for you to learn how everything goes and for you to understand how um, how is it that, you know, the different forces interact with helicopters. But, you know, it, it doesn't replace uh, having a real instructor and having the real machine in your hands. It's very good for up to a point where you need to get into the real thing and start doing real maneuvers. Um, with you know real person sitting next to you and teaching you but you know for someone that um, wants to start to learn about helicopters and even if you have to later on be trained to forget you know all those bad habits that you are talking about i think it's a very good um, it's a very good investment a very good betting it's it's an awful amount of fun it's very fun 
Given the, the cost of a, you know, an hour instruction in a helicopter uh, and you know, how many hours you can get in this, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good buy if you're starting for helicopter training. Yeah, it is. Some, some downsides. So one, yes, yeah, so a negative sort of habit transfer. Uh, we talked about that or the bad habits. The, we haven't actually spoken too much about the visuals. You know, you jump on YouTube and there's a heap of videos there of people recording their virtual reality flights and quite often they're recording the actual screen of their PC Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the visuals on YouTube, it's it's not as sharp in the actual headset you look at. So you're kind of be disappointed if you compare the two next to each other. But the thing is, once you've been wearing that for a you know, minute or two, you, you forget because everything else is just so overpoweringly you know, <laughs> real uh, uh, that you kind of forget about the visuals not being so great. Reading text, and we'll talk about hardware shortly, but reading text in the cockpit, you know, I, I really wouldn't recommend this for, for IF training because, you know, text is, is not its strong point in terms of resolution. Uh, the things you can yep. do with the hardware and the software to bump that up, we can talk about. Uh, but, yeah, I, what's your sort of impressions there on the actual visual acuity of it? Uh, well, it's like we said in the beginning, Mick. Um, you know, this, this, is a, this is almost, it's not experimental because it's out there and people can buy it, but this is, we're in the very early stages of a, uh, of development of VR. One of the things you have to add notice, and I've, I've only noticed this after maybe a couple of days of trying VR, was actually what you said, you know, the image is not sharp, it's not crisp, it's not crisp clear. It's, it's, it's kind of hard right now with the hardware that we have for it to be, because we're talking about rendering an image three times. The image is, render, is rendered for each, each one of your eyes, and it's rendered again for, you know, the computer output. So uh, there's a lot of stress on the GPU, on the graphic card. But this is something, like you said, that you, you'll eventually ignore. This is something that you, you probably won't notice at, at start, you know, at the beginning. You'll be just overwhelmed by how amazing and how impressive being in the, in the virtual world is. And, you know, like you said, you're looking at, uh, at the, 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 the sun moving, you know, as, you, as the helicopter moves around, you see the sun moving and the shadow moving on the panels. And it'll be just, you know, uh, overflowing with joy and, uh, and thinking, uh, why is it that you didn't get this damn thing first, you know, 12 months ago, <laughs> like you said. That's it, yeah. I yeah, I can't believe I was missing this all this time. But then when you get used to it, you start noticing it. You start noticing that the image is not crisp. But, you know, you, you'll just ignore it once again. After, you know, you just realize that it's, it's just the way the things are at this point, right now, and come on, guys, we're talking about something that we saw on movies about you know ten years ago, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right? It. And for for the folks who are listening, like it's really hard for me not to oversell and, and gush about it. And you can hear the enthusiasm in, in Sergio's voice and, and my voice. Like uh, everyone I've put it on has just said, "Wow, it's amazing!" And you know, it's they. And they're saying, look, it's so much better than, than I thought it would be. Uh, so I, I try, I try and tone it down with people now because, you know, otherwise you sort of they look at you and they just don't believe you. But it, uh, yeah. Anyway, you can you can tell by the tone of our voice that we're kind yeah. of excited yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah. And and I think that you know most of the skepticism that I had at first was because people seemed overhyped. I, I was just listening to people and watching videos and. Uh, Listening to their opinions and talking to you know, to other guys and watching forums and um, you know just trying to get as much information as I could and everybody seemed hysterical and I was like this can't be true 
You know, this is just people know there there are there are people that will uh, badmouth everything, and there are people that are going to praise everything. And I thought that we were all, we were on the praise train, and everybody was just going nuts over something that wasn't really that good. But once I tried it, I, I, I was so like I told you, Mick, I was inside this <laughs> ugly world. You know, a couple of years ago, maybe I was inside this ugly world. I was just there. No, and one of the things that I, I remember was that I was. Um, it, it, this is, was was a stupid demo in which I had. I didn't even have control. I just could move my head around, you know, and see around. The whole thing was a, was an experience. It wasn't a game. It was just something that was showing me to the top of the building, and then I would go down an elevator and go back up. And when I looked down from the top of the building, and I just, you know, I stepped back because I was afraid of falling. I was, my brain was, I was just, oh God, man, this, this is nuts. My brain actually thinks that I'm going to fall down when I, I know that I'm, you know, in this room completely safe. And that was when it hit me. It was really that good. Yeah, and I've shared the stories with the guys at work that, yeah, those ones where you're on the edge of something like a cliff from a mountain looking down, I've, yeah. I've, I've got to slide my feet forward on the on the floor <laughs> because I, I, can't, <laughs> I, I can't step out. Like my brain will just not let me step step out into space. I've got to slide my feet forward on the, on the floor to, to get there. I do this exactly. And, yeah, um, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I know exactly. It's funny with the kids in, in the room. I've got, we don't have a massive space here, but it, it's big enough where you can do the standing games and move around. I've had to put a, a towel in a square shape on the floor of the room in the middle of the room for the kids to stand on <laughs> just so they've got some tactile feedback because otherwise they'll just – Look and and start walking, and I've got to yeah. basically keep pulling him back to the middle of the room. Otherwise, they just walk into the walls. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and, the, yeah. The other day, the other day, I did something uh, kind of naughty to my daughter. I, I put them, I put her in, a, you know, on the couch with a, with the headset, and I started flying around in DCS. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, then I so, you know, I, I started approaching buildings, and uh, you know, when I when I approached the building, I started climbing and going over the top of the building, and she was, you know. She was trying to trying to grab things and trying to with her body. She was trying to move around so that she wouldn't hit the building. And it's it's that immersive. And I know what you mean. You know, you, you kind of feel like you can just start walking inside that world and you know go go about your life in there. And sometimes it, it's um it's hard for to remember that you are not in that world. That you're not inside that uh, synthetic 3D world in which you are just wandering around and uh, and playing. It. <laughs> All right, we're looking at our dot points here. We better get going through these so that uh, people, if they're interested, can actually get in and, and have a go at this themselves. So let's let's talk about PC hardware. So you've touched on the fact that you know it is pretty graphic intensive from the, everything I've done the reading. And so let's talk some dollars. We haven't actually spoken uh, dollars yet. These are you know Australian dollars uh, in, in September when I basically purchased, or well, actually it was October when I purchased here uh, in Australia. So I bought the headset secondhand for $800 and I bought a gaming PC secondhand for $1,500 Australian. You could knock off almost half that, I guess, for, for US dollars in terms of, of rough price range so yeah essentially all the builds for the pcs pretty much start around the graphics card it seems to be you yeah. want to buy the the best graphics card you possibly can for your budget and i've got a, a 1070 and if you're going mm-hmm. to the market looking at these things so that seems to be kind of realistically as low as you want to go especially for the flight simming is that's kind of 
what my experience was uh, and we're really keen to see what your feedback is on that. Yeah, well, if if you can, you know, the 1070, it's very, it's a very good car. I actually have the 1060, which is the one uh, right below yours. If you're if you're really into flight simulations and you do, you can afford it. You know, you you have to go with the 1080. Um, the 1080 will will have much more power than the 1060 or the 1070 to do everything that is needed. Now, it's not to say that your card is not a good card. It's a very good card. It's better than my card, um, and I can handle it pretty well. But um, you need to you need to keep in mind that there's a lot of graphic processing going around, and that the more processing you have, or the more powerful the more power you have on your graphic card, the, the clearer the image will be because you'll be able to um, to increase the amount of pixels, and you'll be able to increase the amount of processing, and you'll have you'll be able to to increase the frames per second. That your sim will be outputting uh, to your to your um, to your headset. So, for example, DCS is pretty stable and pretty good because you know it's it's uh, it has native support. But for software like Xplain, which still needs a third-party software, there's a lot more processing going on. You know, there's something in between the the third-party software and the the, the Xplain and Xplain that um, will need an increased amount of power. So the 1070 will do just fine, but if you can afford the 1080, which uh, I gotta say it's pretty pretty expensive, um, I would go with 1080. Yeah, and even the 1080 Ti, like basically, again, it comes back to your budget. But if you were doing this for a, a commercial venture, like a, a flight school or something like that, the the top of the oh, line yeah. graphics card that you can possibly afford. Uh, because so we spoke about the extra resolution. So there's a, a setting called super sampling. And essentially, what you can do is essentially overdrive your, um, not, well, not so much overclock the, the graphics card, but you can overdrive the amount of uh, resolution that the, the computer itself is punching out to the, the headset. Now, the headset is a fixed resolution, but what you can do is essentially upscale the resolution out of the graphics card and then it descales it again back into your, your headset. And the effect for that, especially in DCS that I really noticed, was the, the readability of the, the text on the gauges and on all the markings. The higher you can bump that up, the clearer the text does look. Now, I had to back it off a little bit because as I made the text clearer, I was losing frame rate and the sim was yeah. actually getting harder to fly and it, it, it just felt a, a bit... It, it just didn't feel as smooth. So I had to back that off a little bit and find a, a, a happy medium between clear text and having you know a really, really smooth uh, sim. And I think that's the difference. So I think jumping from – and I guess it's a bit of a caution too. Like if, I think if you went and bought the bare minimum recommended uh, graphics card, so as you said, like you know, the 1060 uh, or even the 1050 if you were on the bottom of the range, you would have a quite different takeaway experience than if it was mm-hmm. the top of the line, so I think if you are yeah. trying, if you are trying it on a on a, a you know a marginal graphics card and you're walking away from the experience thinking that it's you know it's just not really quite there and, and good enough to use, uh, I think the difference with a, a better graphics card would make a big difference. So that was my that was my worry with buying the current setup because again I wanted to buy it to take in to you know flight school and show people that it'd be usable for for flight training and mm-hmm. that's as much as I could spend. And my worry was that it wouldn't be a good enough experience and that you'd need a, a top-of-the-line 1080 Ti graphic card to, to make it viable for you know, for flight training. Uh, so that was my worry purchasing it, but it didn't come off. Like I'm quite happy that I could have someone here and, and teach them to fly and, and charge for it off a, off a 1070. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good card. Yeah, you are very well served. Um, but like you said, yeah, if you want to go commercial, you probably have to go with the 1080. Even if it's just you know to keep everything more stable and not to get your your students sick. <laughs> because you know, if if people start getting sick because of the low frames per second, they, yeah, they will come not come back and they will not bring their friends. Yeah, and they're not going to bring their friends, and they're going to have an awful VR experience. That's the fact. You know, no one wants to get sick by. While doing anything on a computer. Yeah, but I should say it's not a guarantee that you're going to see, get sick on those other cards as well. You just need to back off the you know the, the graphic um, settings and things like that. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely super smooth when I've got it running normally on, on my setup. Now CPUs, hard drives, recommendations there. Uh, I, I would go with uh, at least an, uh, in terms of CPU, at least an i5. But if you can afford it, an i7, the seven, the it's, it's a very good, uh, it's a very good CPU. If you want to overclock it, you have the 7700K, which allows you to with it quite easily. Um, I'm not an overclocking guy, so I, I, I stick with a, I, I stay with the 7700, the regular one. You'll have, you want to have at least 16 gigs of RAM. Okay, memory. If you can afford an SSD for uh, for your SIM, uh, get a 256 gig uh, SSD for your SIM and perhaps your operating system. Your computer will boot up in about 10 seconds, 10, 15 seconds. And, you know, loading loading your, your SIM will also be quicker. If you cannot afford an SSD, try to get, you know, the fastest, the fastest hard drive you can get for, you know, within your budget but you know the ssds nowadays are so cheap that uh, you you will probably be able to get away with at least a smaller one just for the same yeah and the cost do start adding up when we get into yeah. controllers too okay let's let's tackle um software next so before we get to the fly sims i was actually going to talk about virtual earth uh, vr so this is free uh, from google and essentially mm-hmm. using the same mapping data and the same street view that you would get on, on your computer or a browser using google earth but it again is just absolutely amazing so you are you're in the world your headset as you're looking around uh, tracks immediately like there's no delay you can zoom down and be you know as tall as the buildings or down the street view and when you're in street view you look around and you're on the street so in terms of trying to do you know route study or get to know a new area if you're moving into an area uh, the google earth uh, in virtual reality is absolutely amazing. I don't know, like even if it wasn't for flight sims, I think it'd be enough of a reason to go and get it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with it when I tried the when I tried the Vive for the first time, and I installed it, and I was just amazed with the how, how nice it is. And you can almost, you know, you can. It's like you said, you can almost feel like you can start walking on the street, you know, and just move along and get to know all these cities that you have never known in real life. It's really nice. It's beautiful. Like the three, you know, you go to it Hong is. Kong or a place like that with all the, the 3D. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Is, it is just, it's an incredible experience. But that's that's a aside. But yeah, it'd almost be worth just getting it for, for Google Earth VR on its own. But uh, flight sims. So we've spoken about a couple there. So DCS is, uh, what's actually DCS stand for? Digital? Yeah, it's DCS. It's Digital Combat System. Yes. Um, it's a. It's an old. It's kind of an old game. It, it came from uh, the whole flanker simulation from back in 1990 something. I don't remember right now. And it has evolved to a you know a larger product with uh, lots of modules. And all the aircraft you'll find there are absolutely top notch because every every aircraft is developed um, on its own. It's not. Uh, 
Although the, 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 the simul has its own uh, flight, uh, its own physics, all the aircraft are developed almost as, the, the, as if they were standalone. So they are programmed as if they were standalone. So you can expect high-fidelity models, high-fidelity aircraft with high-fidelity flight dynamics. So, yeah, the one I got is, is DCS Huey, which is a, the add-on purchase for it. And, yep. it, you know, again, it's amazing. As someone who's, who's flown the Huey, seeing there in the cockpit was just uh, – it just felt fantastic. Uh, so, that, yeah, that's definitely one. And, and it's – I guess it's more – you know, it is combat and there's definitely dogfighting and lots of the gear on the other aircraft. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of opportunities to fly around. It's, you know, it, it's it's pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty happy with that one. The only downside of DCS is the fact that it's very limited in terms of terrain and in terms of scenery. You have, like, three maps right now. In very specific uh, in very specific areas of the world, so you cannot fly the world like you could in or like you can in Flight Simulator, uh, in Microsoft Flight Simulator or Explain, for example. Other than that, it's a good same. Yeah. So you've mentioned previously. So there's Microsoft Flight Sim, which has been a, a pretty stable. Yeah, the it, old one. Its current version, though, it's, it hasn't been updated for for quite a while, has it? Oh no 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 no! The last version is uh, FSX, which has been converted to be used with Steam. It has been recompiled using uh, newer libraries, and it has been released uh, through Steam by this company called Devtail Games, which is actually just like uh, Lockheed Martin purchased the professional version of the of the the, the, the simulator. This British company called Devtail Games purchased the consumer product, oh, so they okay. are actually building. Yeah, they are actually building. Uh, a new a new sim which you can you can find on Steam called FSW Flight Sim World, and they are bringing bringing on the, the bringing the sim to the to the two thousand to two thousand years or they are making it more modern sixty four bits and you know with better graphics and better flight model and whatnot. It's still in early access, so there's a lot of uh, of stuff that it's still being developed by them but i have i have a lot of there are no helicopters yet Mick. <laughs> <laughs> they have no there are yeah but they are they are aware that we want helicopters and they are aware that there's a community i've been nagging them and they cannot you know listen my name anymore because i've been <laughs> nagging them for so long but yeah eventually they will get to helicopters and they are planning on doing them right so we we, we might be able to see helicopters uh, fly on a a Microsoft kind of you know, Microsoft Sun, Microsoft grandchild, quite soon. And then we have Explain, which I already uh, we already talked about, which doesn't have native support. Oh, FSX Flight Simulator, Flight, Microsoft Flight Simulator doesn't have native support uh, for VR. You'll have to use this um, third-party software called Fly Inside, which is payware. Uh, it's about uh, I don't know, maybe thirty dollars or so um, for the software. The same with X-Plane. You'll need to buy the, to purchase this third-party software for you to be able to find VR. Although Laminar Research, the company again, the company that 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 developed X-Plane, uh, is currently developing a version with native VR support. So we can expect that in a few months. Yeah, I was hoping it's coming soon. That I was kind of hoping it's going to come before Christmas, but they haven't. Uh, mm, haven't really nah. that. <laughs> it's going to be later. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to release it right now. Um, it's uh, They have just released version 11.10. Actually, they haven't released 11.10. 11.10 is in the release candidate version right now. I don't think that we'll, we'll see an ADVR in Explain until perhaps February next year. Okay. But and, that's just my opinion. And Aerosoft, is that it's got native VR? 
Yeah, Airsoft, uh, I uh, I don't think it has native VR. They have been talking about it, but I haven't seen anything right now. Actually, there's not a lot of information right now, except a couple of videos. They have they have mentioned native VR, but I haven't seen anything right now. So I know it's planned. I don't know if it's in the if it's in the current version right now. Okay, they will get to it though. Now, all the add-ons that people can currently get, so all the scenery packs, all the aircraft models and everything like that, say for, for X-Plane, they all can then be transferred across. Once you've got that running in virtual reality, you could be flying you know, in Sydney in a 747, you can be flying at LA mm-hmm. in a, uh, you know, as you said, in a 206. So everything that's available online for those flight sims already will be able to be basically repurposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we're talking about, you know, the 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 main core of the of the simulator that's what, what that what that's what needs to do the vr everything else that you are using all the assets all the aircraft all the scenery everything will just be used by the core system and it is just shown to you in vr all right the next stop point here is is flight controls and this is where i'm missing out at the moment cuz i actually don't even have a joystick here in my current home <laughs> setup when we've been taking out to the to the airfield a couple of students have got chairs or actual you know helicopter rigs where they've got the cyclic and collective and that's what we've been uh, testing it on so that's the next thing again it's you know i guess anything to do with aviation isn't cheap because this is a, then another add-on cost <laughs> once you've got the headset and the computer then uh to get yeah. the full experience for a helicopter sim is to go and actually get a dedicated control so what, what are your options from you know bottom of the range to the top of the range in terms of uh, actual flight controls you have a couple of options. Uh, one is a Canadian one called Pro Flight Trainer, which uh, which have been developed and a very nice, a very nice consumer kit, a very very good consumer kit. I actually use their Pro Flight Trainer Puma, which is very nice and expensive, <laughs> to be honest. We need we need to we need to keep in mind that we're talking about a market niche, so uh, nothing that that's being that's been built or that's been developed for helicopters is going to be cheap because they're. The, they're not going to sell tons of the of the tons of units, you know. So the the production price will will of course go high. You have the Pro Flight Trainer, which has some very nice components from very really nice kits. You have some other some other guys called Max Flight Stick, which also develop some very nice very nice kits, very nice different kits. The, the Pro Flight Trainer usually has some more you know generic kits, and Max Max it goes for more specifically, kits like for the A3, the AF350, or the 206, and whatnot. And they are some very, they have some very good kits as well. And there are a couple of other developers, of other manufacturers. Actually, they're over there in the, in Australia. One of them, I actually, I actually forgot the name. Yeah, I just, I just, it just slipped my mind. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you, I'll send yeah, you the link for, sure. for you to check it out. I'll just jump in here as I'm editing. The Australian company that Sergio mentions is called Rainman. Mark Hungerford is the owner there, and I was able to have a good chat with him on the phone. And Mark was really, really helpful. They export their flight controls right around the world. Here's a, a good tip for flight schools in that they could look at hiring the controls and a VR setup out to students at home at a cost, which would then spread you know, that initial capital purchase out rather than you know, each prospective student needing to purchase the, the complete set outright. Mark's other good tip was the website flightsounds.com. You can actually pick up a USB adapter box that you can plug your helicopter headset in as a PC audio out. Uh, presumably, you could also plug in a, a helmet. Uh, however, in this context, I don't think you'll get the, the VR headset to actually fit underneath most uh, helmet designs. Mark's website is rainman.com. 
Tv if you want to see photos of the uh, helicopter controls that he builds. Uh, there's also a link on the website blog post for this episode and links to some of the other control manufacturers. Okay, back to Sergio. There's a, there's a professional company called Ryan Aerospace over there in the, in the Australia, in Australia as well, but they are more centered in the, in, the, in the professional market. They have actually recently managed to, to certify their, one of their, of their rigs for the 206 by the FAA. So they are very serious into the market. Yeah, I wonder how those companies will will go. Like, obviously, that's a, you know, the, it's more realistic at the moment. But as a purchase decision now to go and buy multiple screens in a you know a capsule that you sit in, versus going buying mm-hmm. one of these headsets, because you know, again, if you're if you're rated on multiple times and you just want to get some quick refresher training in, you can sit there, do a start up a you know a Squirrel AS three fifty, do a lap, come back, land, jump in a Huey, do the same thing, jump in a four hundred seven. And with a space of an hour, you've cut you know, a circuit and done your startup and shutdown checks in a couple of different aircraft as opposed to – and you can just do that you know, with an empty chair rather than having these dedicated setups with multiple screens. It's going to be pretty interesting how the VR headsets really change that sort of middle-tier uh, simulation packages. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, and if and if you if you keep in mind that you'll be able to use, for example, in um, in explain, you'll be able to use the controllers to actually, um, you know, uh, turn on turn turn the switches on and off, and turn the dials and whatnot. You know, all of a sudden, you'll have this uh, this virtual cockpit in which you'll be able to interact, just like in the real aircraft. So you'll have all the muscle memory for all the procedures right there as well, instead of just you know the anti-torque pedals and the cyclic and the collective. Um, you'll be able to perform all every, all the, the, the procedures as you were you would be in real life because everything is in the right place. Very much so. Now, that's obviously the full helicopter control setups. You can obviously fly all these things with joysticks, with uh, you know throttle controllers. Uh, and again, I, I unfortunately don't have the, the pedals anymore, but you can get USB pedals that double up for uh, uh, car racing games as well as, as flight sim rudder pedals. Uh, so they... You know that's all going to add to it because with the hard part is with the headset on, you can't actually see the keyboard. There's a, a tiny little gap. I can sort of lift my head up and, and look down now. I've been using it a little bit. There's a tiny little gap. You can sort of look through the goggles to, to see the keyboard, but it, yeah. it's, it's very hard <laughs> to use any keyboard controls when you've got the, the headset on. Yeah, the physical controls is a, a big component if you want to have you know be using it as a, as a sim and for training. Uh, and the other great thing is a there's voice control software out there now. I saw a, a demo for DCS Huey again where he's flying along and he basically says, okay, Johnny, handing over. And the, you look across the cockpit and the, the co-pilot actually puts his hands on the controls and takes over as an autopilot system. And you can say taking over and you take and you get the control back. There's a whole heap of uh, things where you would need a keyboard. You can actually voice program and it'll sit there and listen to your voice command and you can, you can control the sim with, with your voice. Yeah, and that's necessary precisely because, you know, you, you, like you said, we have no way of actually looking outside the real world. So we have no way of actually hitting the right keys unless we have some sort of, uh, I don't know, guiding tools for you to be able to, or, or if you are able to see the, the, the cockpit, but the, the, I'm sorry, the, the keyboard as you, as you usually see your, your controllers, your Vive controllers. But the thing is, you'll see, don't see, you still don't see your hand. So there's there's a major there's a yeah there's a major factor and the voice actually voice software is something that I'm thinking about looking into because it uh, it will allow you to you know do all those things that 
you need your your keyboard for and you for some reason you have no no way of doing it using your buttons on your joystick well we covered a fair bit again there there's just a couple of other uses for for flight training that i've been experimenting with you know in terms of other things you can do uh so the other big part you know apart from flight sims is the 360-degree video application. So it's getting easier and easier now to record, you know, 360-degree uh, video. Mm-hmm. And when you wear it in your headset, it's the same thing. You don't have the 3D effect in terms of you you're looking at it from a fixed point of view. So the one the case example is on YouTube, most people will have seen it, the Blue Angels uh, F-18 display team for the US has a 360-degree video playing on YouTube where they do a takeoff, they do part of their... Uh, performance and you're essentially in the cockpit and as you look around you know about two feet above you is the, the wingtip of the next f-18 and they do their whole routine you know you can watch that on on youtube again and you can scroll the video around with your mouse to, to move the screen around the viewport but watching that you know in a vr headset when you're sitting in your chair because the video tracks exactly where you're looking as you're looking around inside this 360 degree video you are you know it, it, it feels like you're physically there and I tell you what, if you want to feel, uh, you know, that your flying skills are pretty poor, you jump in this and you're watching these guys go, you know, <laughs> doing a loop, and the the wingtip seriously looks like it's two feet above your head, and and there's these four airplanes, you know, doing these maneuvers, and oh my goodness, like if you want to feel, yeah, like your flying skills need a bit of brushing up, watching these guys do the display in a 360 degree <laughs> video is is incredible. It's amazing. You can see the rivets on the on the wing right above you. But in terms of flying training, again, if you could go out as a as a school or something like that, um, or if you're a student, you go and look for these uh, videos that are pre-recorded. You could take someone through a full lesson and do a voiceover of it, and have that recorded. Someone yeah. could sit in there, you know, at home or at the, at the flight school, put the the VR headset on, and be in this 360 degree video. They can look outside the helicopter. They can look up the you know the front. They can see everything that's going on. That in itself would just be a, a huge uh, training benefit. Uh, there, uh, so it's something you know. I'm keen to sort of investigate and find out a bit more about uh, using that as a as a training, you know, avenue for the 360 degree videos and having those flight lessons pre recorded that people can download and look through. Uh, but the other thing, again, yeah. on, on the more commercial side, is you know, as a marketing or a sales tool, imagine being able to have someone come into your flight school or your operation and show some interest in in training or going flying. And be able to throw them straight in the seat, put the headset on, and have them essentially doing it uh, within a you know a couple of minutes. That you know <laughs> it would be a huge sales tool. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. If even if you just for an for an introductory uh, lesson, you know, instead of using of your studying using the whole hour to learn how to do something, you could be with him just for ten or fifteen minutes, show him something, and then go for the you know for the rest of the hour or for the full hour, and just you know, tell him to do the same thing that he did before. And the the idea that you had about you know the the, the videos, the, the lessons, it's something that we 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 do it, we do it now, uh, but using regular videos on YouTube. I've been doing that, you know, to learn some maneuvers uh, on my virtual helicopters, and I know that other guys have have done it. But if I had the chance of uh, putting my headset and be able to look around. And to look at where where I was interested at looking to to look at, like for example, the hand of a pilot or the feet of the pilot or you know whatever or just the panel and just check the numbers on the panel on the gadgets. That's actually uh, one of the major things that I've I've um, uh, I've I've just and I've just realized this 
we, we when when you were when you were talking about it, it it's one of those major things you know that companies and flight schools uh, would could probably invest on to get their students to learn things on a, in a different way and probably faster than they would by just listening people saying this is the way they're doing this is the way it's done or you know spending hours of flight in after because they could be watching that same video over and over and over again from and just by, by moving their head which is much more natural than you know moving your mouths and whatnot it's a it's a it's a complete it's no pun intended, but moving the mouse around <laughs> to watch to watch it's a drag. <laughs> it's well, exactly, drag. and it's so different. Yeah. Like, same thing I said before. You know, I can I can move my head as fast. You know, I can yeah. look at to the left, look to my right, and, and it tracks straight away. Whereas if you try and do that on on YouTube on a flat screen, you you yeah, exactly. You try and drag the video across to, yeah. to be, and it's, it's just completely different. Because again, you look over your shoulder, and you've got the the aircraft. You know, you're looking at the back of the helicopter or something like that. So, yeah, 360-degree videos, um, you know, again, just, you know, my kids, you know, I put them in like an underwater video and there's, you know, sharks swimming around them and things like that. They just get blown away. But, uh, yeah, there's so many <laughs> – I'm using it for as many non-flying things as I, as I am flying. But, yeah, look, the other thing too, we get asked all the time, you know, can you provide a, you know, a prize or a flight for a raffle for a school or, a, you know, a competition and things like that? Uh, and this would be a great way, I think, of – you know, to offer up something that doesn't cost as much uh, outlay. So you can offer, we'll say, hey, look, we can't take someone for a flight, but more than happy to give away a 30-minute uh, virtual flight experience. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, bad weather revenue. So, you know, if you're sitting there and you've got no flying going on that day because the, the weather's not suitable, uh, if you had something else sitting there that is realistic enough and that you can get some training value on and have that as another revenue source, uh, I think that's a, a pretty good way to look at it as well. Yeah, and it, and it can actually call the attention of people to helicopters and to the flight school. I've been uh, I've been working, I've been doing some events um, here in Portugal with uh, with my helicopter, with my helicopter rig, with my helicopter kits. I haven't I haven't done it with VR yet, but you know, people all all of a sudden uh, people started to realize that helicopters are fun and started looking at helicopters as a uh, you know not just the poor the aircraft of the you know the of the whole aircraft family, they started to get interested, and I've I've I've, I've actually had people calling me a couple of days after the event and asking me, you know, what what uh, what computer they should have and what helicopter I was using and where could they get the helicopter. And I could see this go um, the same way for flight schools, you know, just uh, attend attend uh, some 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 events, some uh, you know some aerial shows or whatnot, and places put a stand in there. Uh, get people to try helicopters. Teach them how helicopters work. You know, show them the helicopters are you know are not this elevator in which you press a button and the helicopter goes up, and you press another button and the helicopter goes down. It's something it's something very challenging and very rewarding once you start to getting the hang of it, and it's something very fun, and you'll get to uh, you know see things from a different perspective from you know it's both a different perspective from when you are looking at them from the ground or 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 in a different aircraft which doesn't stand still doesn't hover and will have to keep you know to be moving all the time they're not allowing you to see things the way you could be in a helicopter by just being you know at a higher altitude, but standing still and thing, seeing things. I, I can see flight schools using this as a marketing maneuver to actually call the attention to people you know, towards helicopters and get more students. 
All right, I'm looking at the other bits and pieces here in terms of all the you know the new headsets that are coming out in the near future and and where it's going to go. But I think we might leave we might leave the discussion off about those. If people have got questions, they can leave comments about particular headsets that they're looking at in the, the mm-hmm. notes for this or uh, obviously through uh, helisimmer.com. They can go across and read the reviews and, and ask questions and submit questions there. But, yeah, I think just to, to finish up, I was thinking the other day that you know, if I lost my medical at the moment and, and I couldn't fly again, up until a couple of months ago, like that would have been pretty devastating. You know, you get over it, but you know, that would have been a, a huge thing lost. With... The VR stuff, and again, especially looking a couple of years out where, where it's going to go, if this is where it is now, it's still it's awesome now. I, I, I could almost be fine losing my medical and still scratch that whole flying itch by, by doing it this way with the, <laughs> the virtual reality. Like it's, it, it gets it's enough of the, all those things that are, you know, the, the, the skills on the control and getting a machine to do what you want to do and the, the feedback and the feel of flying. Uh, from this that it would you know it would get me most of the way there if i ever got in a situation where i couldn't actually fly the real thing again uh, so yeah. it's uh yeah you know again i don't want to gush over it <clears throat> but yeah, at the same time it is incredible yeah it is and I, i've seen people do do just that mic and uh, they don't even use uh, vr yet and i've seen i've seen people do exactly that you know people that start had to stop flying for some reason and they just continue continue fly it virtually using uh a helicopter flight simulator and they're they're it's not they're not perfectly happy because they're not in the air using the real things but you know they are they are happy and they they kind of i i think i think um i i know this this person in particular and i'm sure that you know being able to use a flight simulator and he started using flight simulators after uh, he stopped um he stopped flying and started looking for something to do with a uh, you know flight simulation and he eventually uh, sent, sent me an email I've helped him setting up a, a machine, a computer and whatnot. and uh, I'm pretty sure that you know, using a flight simulator helped them cope with, uh, with this loss of uh, having to stop flying after I don't know, 40 years or so he, has been, he had been uh, flying uh, perhaps not even, maybe 30 years so yeah I, I, I can see, I can see what, what, you, what you mean yeah uh, Using VR, that that hitch, <laughs> you could you could easily uh, you know get that hitch away from you and uh, fly at least virtually. All right, so you, can you just quickly tell folks a bit more about helisimmer.com in terms of if they what are they going to find when they go there and and what your sort of goal is with the with the website? No, yeah, well, helisimmer.com has um, it's a website that has been born to help people understand and uh, get into the the world of helicopter flight simulation. You know, we have uh, reviews, previews, interviews, and every, anything else that um, that um, has to do with helicopter flight simulation in any platform, be it PC, be it Mac, be it whatever. Uh, our goal is to help people, like I said, and you know, to get people to further get into the world of helicopter flight simulation. Fantastic. So yeah, look, highly recommend it because you've got reviews there on on some of the stuff we've spoken about, but also you know add-ons for the different for the software. So what we've spoken about like the you know the two hundred six add-on for for X Plane, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure it's your site so too. There's some breakdown videos of comparing how realistic the you've got a you know an actual Huey pilot come in and and, and test uh, DCS Huey against the real thing uh, and that type of gear. So yeah, heaps of good stuff there and. Look, we've gone way over time again. <laughs> it always happens when we start talking about this sort of gear. Yeah. But look, you know, I appreciate it's getting late at your end too there in Portugal, but being able to have a, a chance to chat about this stuff. And, you know, as I said at the start, it could be the most expensive 
uh, episode or interview that people have has listened to because <laughs> it, it definitely uh, start shelling out the dollars. But a, again, in comparison to the next best thing out there, where you would be spending hundreds of thousand dollars or even these you know big setups, which are you know million dollar uh, setups, it is just amazing what you can get for for your your home office with this gear. Yeah, definitely check out helisimmy.com, find a, a near, you know, a department store or something like that, which has got a, a VR demo set up because it is really hard to describe the sensation until you put a headset on. And once you've worn a headset and, and seen it, you can then go to YouTube and actually watch some of the, the flat screen videos there and have a, a bit more of an understanding of, of what you're seeing because uh, I'm not sure about you, so Joe, my impression was when you, you know, first go to YouTube, I was, I was really impressed by the videos, but having not tried a headset to then after having tried a headset watching the videos, you just don't don't get the full appreciation. No, you don't get it until you try it. You, you, you just don't get it. And I had the same problem. I had, you know, once I tried VR, I saw that it, it, had, it had nothing to do with, every, with anything I have seen in the YouTube or any other videos. You'll have to see it to believe it, guys. It's that simple. Yeah, I pinch myself every time I, I take it off. Like it's just, it, it's the closest thing to, to magic you know, I guess you get blasé about what your smartphone can do. Like, there's a lot of technology in your smartphone, but in terms of that childish joy and feeling magic again, that sensation. Uh, yeah, I haven't done anything like this in a long time. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Sergio. Thank you. That was Sergio Costa from helisimmer.com sharing his thoughts and experience about virtual reality, especially how it relates to helicopter flight simulation. You know, I'm really cautious about overselling the experience of the current VR headsets, but at the same time, every single person I've had a chance to, to demo and has tried it has been hugely impressed to the point that, you know, one local helicopter student has already gone out and bought a VR headset and a, a setup and a system for it, and others are pricing it up and looking at the, the PC uh, specs and requirements that they need. To be able to sit at home in your lounge room or in a, in a classroom and to effectively be sitting, you know, as far as your brain is concerned, in a full-size operational helicopter is just incredible. On the blog for this episode at rotarywingshow.com, I'll keep adding some photos and videos and other information as new headsets hit the market. There are links there to some of the manufacturers of helicopter simulator controls and to several uh, virtual reality news sources. If you have already got or you own a, a VR headset, it would be fantastic if you wanted to share your experience in the comments on the website for this episode, along with any tips that you've picked up. If you have questions about which headset to get or if your graphics card is good enough or whether you should buy now or wait and hold off till later, uh, I'll, again, if you leave those questions on the blog post, I'll answer as many of them as I can and I'll see pulling in Sergio and others to help answer the ones that I, that I can't. I'll just reiterate that trying to describe the effect of seeing VR or watching the YouTube videos that try to show it, it just doesn't do it justice. I just can't recommend highly enough that you track down a Oculus Rift or a HTC Vive demo somewhere in your area and, and just go and see and, and experience what we've been talking about. If you're in Brisbane, Australia, by all means, get in contact with me and I will you know, more than happily uh, give you a look over and, and actually try and let you demo uh, the, the my own headset here that, that I have. Some housekeeping points just to run through. Reviews on iTunes, I don't think I've asked for a while, but if you could spare a minute to, to leave a, a star rating there or, or some feedback, 
that would be you know really appreciated. And I'd love to say I'd get another episode out before Christmas, but having kids home on school holidays just seems to uh, soak up and uh, any free time I has have is evaporating. Uh, for those of you that emailed me with people to track down for future interviews, thank you. I am working through those as much as I can. Uh, and if you do have a recommendation for a guest, please do send them through to feedback at rotarywingshow.com. You can also be part of the team that make the podcast happen by contributing to the hosting and bandwidth costs through rotarywingshow.com forward slash support or looking it up on patreon.com. Basically, the way I look at that is, you know, if we had a chance to catch up and you thought the episodes were worth uh, sharing a, a cup of coffee, then a dollar or two towards bandwidth costs would be even better. A big thanks to the honor roll there. Heath, especially, thank you. Peter, Tony, Kevin, Jason, Rendell, Mick, and Michael, thank you again for, for your support always. You can find the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rotary Wing Show. You can also hit me up on LinkedIn if you look for Mick Cullen. Thanks for hanging out with me again and Sergio Costa this time around and for listening to something a little different. I'll leave you with an excerpt from a book that I'm hoping we can cover in the near future. It's called Scram, the gripping first-hand account of the helicopter war in the Falklands. It's written by Harry Benson. Rocket firing at the range in Castle Martin, South Wales was especially good fun. The seven students and two helicopter warfare instructors, Lieutenant Pete Manley and Paul Swartz, took three aircraft away for a couple of days. Each of the Wessex was fitted with rocket pods. We would carry out a maximum of 28 rockets, seven in the top half and seven in the bottom half on each side. The firing range was an area of moorland and scrub, leading to a cliff edge by the sea. Perched at the end was an old Second World War tank. The technique for firing was to approach the range at low level, about 90 degrees off target, pull up to about 1,000 feet and roll into a steep dive towards the target. The sighting system involved little more than lining up the crosshairs on a glass site with a point on the windscreen behind it, marked with a chinograph pen. It was hardly high-tech stuff, and our accuracy reflected this. Although I did manage one hit out of the many rockets I fired, the proof of the pudding was that the tank was still there after years of Wessex firings and misses. Still, rockets might keep people's heads down if ever used in anger. <laughs>